Have you ever gotten lost? Have you ever gotten lost? Like, you can get lost maybe hiking somewhere in the wilderness, get lost driving. I was in a parking lot recently and someone was walking around with their clicker trying to find their car because they'd lost where it was. I have a vivid memory from my childhood of my mother taking me grocery shopping. And I don't remember if it was the first time she'd ever done that or it was my first time being in the store we went to. And I'm following my mom. She's pushing her cart, getting our groceries. And there was something I saw that I wanted. And I don't remember what it was. It was probably like ice cream that was, or a cereal that was all sugar that my mom wasn't going to let me have. But all I remember is I was like focused on what I wanted. And then I looked around and my mom was gone. I couldn't see her anywhere, and suddenly I panicked. Now, I hadn't changed my location, but like that, I was lost. And I remember running down the aisle like in a panic, and then I, finally I found her. But that's my first memory, really, of, of, of that feeling of being lost. In the gospel story, Peter is also lost, but he does not know or think he's lost. It's like Peter's on a path, and there's a fork in the road, and one path of the fork goes to human things, and the other one goes to divine things. And Peter heads off towards human things because that's what he wants in following Jesus. He doesn't know he's lost, but all of a sudden he finds out he's lost when Jesus, he first rebukes Jesus, like, no, we're, we should go this way, right? And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. It's an interesting phrase that we, we tend to use a lot colloquially, right? Like if someone says something to you like that you don't agree with or object to or whatever, you might say like, get behind me, Satan. Or someone tempts you like, would you like a second piece of cake? Get behind me, Satan. We tend to think get behind me, Satan, means that Jesus is turning his back on Peter, Right? Get behind me, like I'll have nothing to do with you, to turn your back on someone. But a lot of scholars argue that what Jesus means when he says, get behind me, Satan, is follow my footsteps, right? Like, have you ever been on a trip where there's a guide taking you somewhere? Jesus is the guide, and Peter's like stepped out of line and is going on his own way. Get behind me, Satan, is Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me and follow my footsteps. You're going down the wrong path. 
That's what that means in the context of our passage. And the challenge is that Peter has an image of who Jesus is supposed to be and of what the Messiah is and what the Messiah means, perhaps politically or whatever, just who's going to overthrow Rome and restore the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to show you what it means to follow the Messiah. And it's not what you think or want it to be. And then Jesus says to Peter and the disciples and the gathered crowd about what it means to follow him. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And that if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. It is not an exciting invitation. Right? Like, I'm kind of with Peter. Like, I don't know. I kind of like the image I had of the Messiah. Couldn't we just go that way instead? I personally really resonate with this story because of my own experience of call to ordination as a priest. I grew up in the church and then went through a whole high school, college, kind of early college, kind of atheist phase. Somewhere in college, I went from atheist to kind of agnostic. And then towards the end of college, I started getting this sense of call to the priesthood. And uh, it kind of freaked me out. Like, I started to explore it after graduation, and then I kind of was like, ah, I don't know about this. I mean, I literally moved to a different state to try and get away from this sense of calling because I had an image of how I wanted my life to go, how I was going to live my life and how I was going to determine what I did with my life. And there was this pull of God saying, I want you to do this. But that's not the path I wanted to go down. And I spent years kind of fighting it and resisting it. And eventually I started to turn and embrace it. And something I read in college started to ring true for me. There's, uh, I took a class on Karl Rahner, who was a, a German Roman Catholic theologian who was one of the architects of the Second Vatican Council in the Roman Church. And he wrote about how uh, the more you submit yourself to God and God's will, the freer you become. That autonomy is gained through obedience to God. It's paradoxical, but what I found was he was right. And Jesus in this gospel was right. I lost an image of the life I thought I was going to live and that I, what I thought I would do with my life and my absolute personal power to decide what that was going to be. But when I finally gave in to that sense of call and started to embrace it, that's when I actually found my life. 
that's when I actually found who I was supposed to be. Maybe you've had similar experiences, right? This isn't just for clergy, right? Like God calls every one of us to ministry in some way. God calls us to follow Jesus in some way in our lives. Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be the church. But it was letting go of that image of my life and following Jesus that I was like, oh wow, like now I'm actually free. Maybe you know the story of John Newton who wrote the lyrics to Amazing Grace, probably the most popular hymn in Christian history, one of them at least. It has that famous line, right? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. John Newton was a slaver. He was on ships that sailed to Africa and collected slaves and brought them back to England and to Ireland. He was notoriously profane. In fact, he got left behind by a captain once because he'd sent the whole voyage like making fun of the captain and writing little songs about the captain. And not not a particularly faithful person, not really a, a believer. Eventually, he was a captain on one of these ships and they hit a terrible storm. And one of the crew was washed overboard. And John Newton and I believe one other person literally like tied themselves to the wheel of the ship to try and steer it in the midst of this storm. And he famously cried out for God's mercy. The story goes that he was tied to steering that ship for 11 hours before they got through the storm. And that experience turned him, right? It turned him. He ended up becoming an Anglican priest and ended up becoming an abolitionist. His life was a story of following the path he wanted to follow encountering something he could not control, calling out for God, and then having to deal with the reality of God's mercy responding, right? And he spent the rest of his life as a priest and as an abolitionist, which led him to write, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. His life, like Peter, went from human things to divine things. Amazing Grace is, without a doubt, the most popular hymn I've heard, anyway, at funerals. Right? It is used at a lot of funerals, and it's beautiful, beautiful message. Often accompanying it 
is the gospel passage where Jesus says, in my Father's house there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. And you know the way to where I am going. And a disciple says, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. The way, the right path, is to follow Jesus. So in this season of Lent, it's a time for us to reflect on where in our life are we on the path of human things and are being called to, right, to repent literally means to turn your heart or your mind towards God. It's literally saying, like, I'm on the wrong path. Jesus is going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going to go follow Jesus. And I have to deny what I want. And I have to be willing to suffer for the sake of other people. But if I get there, I will find freedom, and I will truly find my life. I want to close with a prayer from Reinhold Niebuhr. O Lord, who has taught us that to gain the whole world and to lose our souls is great folly, grant us the grace so to lose ourselves that we may truly find ourselves anew in the life of grace, and so to forget ourselves that we may be remembered in your kingdom.